You are now listening to the Life on Repeat podcast with Laura Valancourt, licensed mental health counselor, geriatric mental health specialist, and elder care coach. I'm so happy that you found us. So hello, everyone. I am thrilled to have this next guest on with us today. I have invited Elizabeth Mack. She's an RN, she has her BSN, and she has an MBA, and she's the founder of Holistic Caring. And today we are going to talk all about cannabis and dementia. And I'm just thrilled. I have so many questions for you, Elizabeth. <laughs> well, thank you. It's, it's an honor to be here. And thank you so much for the invitation to speak about this important topic. Very important. I had the pleasure of attending one of your courses at a conference that I was at, and I was absolutely blown away about the benefits of cannabis and particularly with working with folks who have dementia. So maybe we could start by just tell us a little about yourself and your background. And then I'd love to hear how you got into this work. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I started out pretty traditional from Chicago. I got a Bachelor of Science in Nursing, Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, and spent my first 10 years in hospitals working in medical units, mainly psychiatry and diabetes. I spent a year in the diabetic ICU, which was fascinating. But I always knew I, I thought bigger than just being in patient care directly. And so I wanted to do something uh, more administration and, and visionary big picture stuff. And so I got an MBA in healthcare administration. I finished that in 1996. And then I spent the next 20 years in insurance companies. So I started out in operations, clinical operations, case management, disease management, utilization, working with the CFO and the medical director and all that stuff in health plans. And then I ended up migrating into sales once I hit the commercial side of things. So my last corporate job was the regional sales manager for Anthem Blue Cross for the County of San Diego. So I, I really just, I took care of brokers and helped them in insurance. But what happened was I crashed my bicycle and I went out on leave to have surgery. And while I was out on leave a couple of weeks after surgery, I went back to my chiropractor's office and she said, have Denise work out your shoulder because I had shoulder surgery. And this woman who was the medical massage was using CBD in the oil. And I said, hey, what is this? It smells funny. And she said, it's cannabis. And I said, well, why are you using cannabis? And this is January of 2015. And she goes, well, it's, it's a good anti-inflammatory. It's going to help you get back to your pre-surgical arm faster and speed up the healing process. So I'm like, sign me up and tell me more. And that was my foray into cannabis medicine. I think like pretty much driving home that day, I went to the library and checked out every book I could on cannabis for like years. <laughs> and then I started buying them and I went to all the online journals and I started to explore all of this from the uh, various standpoints that this is a real thing. And when I say this, I'm talking about the endocannabinoid system and why cannabis works as medicine in the human body and pets and everybody with a spine, a vertebrate animal, basically everybody except ants and, and insects and those sorts of things, they don't have an endocannabinoid system. And once I found out how this works and how it balances the body back to homeostasis and could potentially heal us, and I said, I have an MBA in healthcare administration. I have to do something about this. And I wanted to help others. And I started with myself. At the time of that accident, I was taking a bunch of different medicines 
have for GERD, for muscle relaxants, Motrin, stuff for sleep, uh, depression. I had been widowed a couple of years before that. I was uh, really in a, in a not uh, great state. And over a period of a year or two, I weaned myself off every one of those pharmaceuticals. So I went from, you know, where I was taking 12 pills a day to days and days without a pill now. And I thank, you know, cannabis medicine for getting me there. And so I need to be an evangelist and tell people that this is truly medicine. And if we use it right and explore all of the, the research and the opportunities with this plant, we really can bridge the gap between conventional and cannabis medicine and help heal people. Amazing. Wow. I, I hadn't, I didn't know that about your story. And I, you know, I love hearing how people made it through the path of life, you know, to find their calling. And truly, I mean, this is, this is something again, because I took your class, I could see the passion um, and the, the knowledge that, that you have. And one of the things that struck me so much, and we're going to talk about a lot of things I know, but one thing that really stood out to me after taking your course was the realization of how many older adults or how many people with dementia are taking psychotropic medications, which we all know has, you know, pages of side effects and concerns. And we also know with psychotropic medications that it's a guessing game. It's always a guessing game. It's not like you can go get an x-ray of your brain and be able to say, oh, this, this is the right medication. It, your Correct. doctors are guessing about the type of medication. They're guessing about the dose. They're guessing about the combination of meds. And after taking your course, I was just, cannabis has so much to offer that I think people need to really look at, especially when we're looking at the side effects, <laughs> which are minimal. <laughs> so, and, and when we talk about that, you, you've mentioned so many different points there. Let me break down a couple. In care of the elderly, you know, polypharmacy is a, really a thing, right? You know, and that is defined as five or more medic medicines. And that's just getting started for your average 65-year-old, 75-year-old, et cetera, right? And so, and they all have different considerations and side effects and, and the interactions and how many physicians really wean them away when they find that it wasn't effective. Like how many times do I follow in the path and I see this, all these meds and what's this for? Well, that was when that happened, but do we still need it today? No. And, you know, and that's malpractice in my opinion, but you know, the thing is, People don't understand that these seniors are already at risk. And when, when I you know, talk about cannabis as a medicine, they're like, no, that's too risky. And I'm like, first of all, we're already there. Second of all, we're going to come at this from a harm reduction standpoint and start to diminish these risks one by one. And I do a risk benefit analysis with each and everything that we're doing and starting with the conversation that we got to change the narrative. This is not just a recreational thing. It's not just a harmful thing. First on people thinking that it's something that is uh, damaging, it's not. That is something that was propaganda from years and years of stigma and institutional bias that started back in the 30s with the prohibitionists. And, you know, there, there was a lot of xenophobia going on. And folks that were in our southern country, part of the country, in the jazz musicians from Haiti and things like that, and the Mexicans from, you know, the Southwest and et cetera. And the, the prohibitionists didn't like them. And alcohol came off prohibition 
And they took all of those resources and just slated it into cannabis, called it marijuana to demonize and stigmatize it to really diminish those populations. And then in 1970, it became a controlled substance schedule one, which means that it has no medical benefits and it's highly dangerous and addicting and abusive on the par with heroin, PCP, LSD. And it's absolutely not. It's got all these medicinal properties. But Richard Nixon didn't like hippies. They were smoking pot. And so he wanted to put people in jail for this. And that's literally how we lost access to this plant. And propaganda just got like fire. And, you know, you got D.A.R.E. programs and all the things that we grew up with. And says, just say no. And so my job is first to say, look, this is a plant that God gave us to nourish our bodies. And here's exactly how it works. You Mm -hmm. have an endocannabinoid system. And what that means is that every single one of your cells and all of your physiologies have these little receptors on them. And think about little doorbells on the outside of a cell, right? And you want to ring the doorbell. And when you do so, something changes on on the inside of that cell, the transmission between the cells uh, to even things out. And it's essentially feedback. So when we have like cell A and cell B, cell B has to be able to send a message back to cell A because it's normally just one-way transmission. And the endocannabinoids that we make endogenously fulfill this function. So what is an endocannabinoid? It's cannabis compounds that you're making endogenously, just like you make endorphins. If you hurt yourself, it minimizes the pain. You make endocannabinoids that balance you back to homeostasis. If you're hungry, it'll tell you to eat. If, uh, if you've got to sleep, it'll, it'll start to help your circadian rhythms kick in so you know that you got to rest. Uh, if you're too hot, it'll help cool you down. A lot of this is the autonomic nervous system and, and, the, and the things that the physiologies that you don't have any idea on how they're working, but we're just miracle bodies that are all working. Well, as we age and as we got toxins and environmental exposures and things like that, our endocannabinoid system, this regulatory mechanism at our cellular level stops working efficiently. And we become deficient in the endocannabinoids that we should be making. And what happened was when we started to study cannabis medicine or cannabis compounds and breaking down and synthesizing THC, and then we put it into the body and put imaging with it and said, where does THC, where do these cannabis compounds go in the body when people ingest them? And we light up like Christmas trees. And that's how they found the endocannabinoid system. And they called these cannabinoid receptors. And then from there, they're like, well, why are we hardwired for this plant? Why do we light up for this plant? And that's when they said, surely we must make something. And then for years on on years, they had to find uh, the endocannabinoids. So then they found those and they said, wow, we make something that is this regulatory master switch. And guess what? They still don't talk about it in medical school because of prohibition. Right. So I tell them all of this. And then I say, you know, and these compounds, then if you can bring this into your body, you supplement just like you supplement with vitamin D, vitamin C, you bring yourself back up to optimal levels so that you work right. And it's almost that easy. (laughs) Is there a way? Oh, this is so fascinating. I am learning so much just (laughs) in this first short piece that you're that you're sharing with us. So here's a question, and I don't know if there's an answer. Is there a way to measure, okay, you use the example of vitamin D and vitamin B and bringing your body back into homeostasis. Is there a way to measure that with cannabis? 
Not just yet. There are scientists that are working on assays and, and different ways to test endocannabinoid system strength. We can find out whether or not we make enough. So there's two endocannabinoids. One is anandamide, Sanskrit for bliss, ananda, and the other is 2-AG. And we're making these constantly, like in microseconds, everybody's making them all the time. And so how do you test that? How do you find out, are we sufficient you know, or are we, do we run a deficiency? And right now we only diagnose it clinically. If you have chronic diseases, if you have all the autoimmune things mm -hmm. that are happening, that are rampant inflammation, uh, migraines, fibromyalgia, IBS, cancers, autism, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, all of these are declining endocannabinoids and chronic disease ensues because if you can't regulate and balance your physiologies, you're going to get sick. So the other way that they're doing it clinically is through lumbar puncture. So if you go into the cerebrospinal fluid, somehow they're able to really find out on that. And going back to the imaging, they find that there are enhanced expression of these receptors on cell membranes that are sick. So if we go to a cancer cell, it's a, it's a rogue immune cell, right? You're going to find all kinds of CB1 and CB2 receptors on the, the cell walls because that cell is asking for endocannabinoids to help it balance yeah. out. Yeah. And then when, when you have healthy cells, there's not as many receptors because things are working. So oh. we're finding our way, but we're only, this is the nascent field where we haven't even begun yet into to really do this. And, and we really need to deschedule cannabis away from schedule one, not even just to schedule two, but we need to drop it out of the Controlled Substance Act so researchers can have at it and really figure out how this works. Oh, fascinating. Okay, so let's jump in. I would love to really get into how, what are the benefits when we talk about the, the option or the possibility of using cannabis with somebody who has dementia. I know you've worked with so many people over the years. Tell me a little about what are the most common reasons that you would use cannabis with somebody who has a dementia diagnosis and maybe just share some insight and stories around, around that. Mm -hmm. So when I opened my firm back in May of 2016, I, I started marketing just locally here and came upon a uh, integrative medicine physician that was working palliative care. Uh, and he brought me into the practice and I would see the patients that could benefit from medical cannabis. And many of them had dementia. Many were chronic pain and end-stage cancer and things like that. And so cannabis is something called pleiotropic. And because it, it works on every of our physiologies all at the same time, that's why it's so multimodal. You could use it for all of these different conditions. But with Alzheimer's or dementia or Lewy body dementia, any of these conditions, generally what we're talking about is treating symptoms, right? And so if I look back in you know, my mind on some of my my most loved patients and people that I've been working with. So I'll change your name, Lois, an 84-year-old who came to me on hospice. She was not eating. She had had a fall and, and uh, a broken hip and they, I, they did not do surgery, but they helped her to recuperate some and then put her back into a guest home, a private guest home. And so her, her daughter called me and says, my mother is the patient. And she's like, they just prescribed Seroquel. And she said, my mom's on all these other meds, Celexa, morphine, medicines for obviously bowel and bladder. And she, and Mege, she wasn't eating. Ambien, she wasn't sleeping. Ativan, she was very, uh, she was hallucinating. She was picking at things. 
Uh, she was crying out. She was nonverbal. They were treating her for pain, but she was either asleep or agitated, asleep or agitated, right? And so, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> yeah, they were knocking her out or, or when she was awake, she was suffering essentially. Yeah. And, and, and so well, for folks that may not know as an antipsychotic. And so they were, they were then not only was she on these other medications, but you're saying they then wanted to add an antipsychotic to the mix. Yeah. So her daughter calls me and says, I'm very afraid of this uh, antipsychotic Seroquel, which is, has a black box warning and black box warning really means sudden death. You take this pill and you could have uh, you know, a heart attack, stroke, uh, brain bleed. Many of these things are happening. And you know, it's just not okay. I mean, those are for generally young people that have schizophrenia that are not managed by any other thing. And, and this is a good way forward. But in elderly people, we're using it for thought disorder. And it's almost a criminal thing because it's a tranquilizer. It's a, it's a major tranquilizer. It's a very, very strong sedative. And that in conjunction with Ativan and Celexa and morphine and everything else that she was on, just, it was, uh, it was a nightmare. So what do I do? I come in there and explain these different cannabinoids and how they can help modulate a system to bring us back to balance on all of these different physiologies and really going back down to the systems. So neurological. First of all, CBD is neuroprotective. What does that mean? Neuroprotective means that it helps preserve cell death. And if you've had a stroke or injuries or whatever, and you have CBD, it'll help neurogenesis. It'll help preserve tissue and function, help the brain stay filled in rather than degenerating and shrinking like it does with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and some of our other conditions. It's neuroprotective, so helping that. It's an antioxidant. It'll help uh, take away free radicals and help us function better in our general physiologies. THC. THC actually uh, is being studied at the Solk Institute for the ability to strip away the beta amyloid plaques and to clear and erode some of these tangles, the tau tangles that are, are uh, strangulating all the vessels up in the brain and, and cutting off function. So THC is being investigated for that. And I've seen it. I know that it helps slow down the progression and helps reverse some of this. I've seen people repair in ways that I, I was just astounded by. THC also inhibits acetylcholinesterase. And that's an enzyme that breaks down acetylcholine. And acetylcholine helps you with memory and thinking and being able to, to form thoughts and communicate. Uh, so THC is going to be doing all those things in the neurological, but also think about the receptors in the brain that it's calming. So why is she on the Ativan? That's creating agitation and anxiety. So, okay, both of them uh, CBD uh, stimulates serotonin activation. So it helps with a, a calm antidepressant, which is then when we look at the Celexa and say, maybe we don't need that because you don't want too much serotonin stimulated because that can be a, a hazard. And then you go back to THC and look at how it's going to calm down the fear in the amygdala because it directly activates those receptors. So we work on this concurrently and neurologically you calm down. Let's look at the appetite. Let's look at getting her to eat because she wasn't eating. She had lost a lot of weight. She wasn't feeding herself. And in about a week, she started to be hungry of giving her a, a formula that was a tincture of CBD and THC. And it was four parts CBD, one part THC, which is a great starting point, depending on what you have, right? Available to you in your dispensaries. But I help the client shop and figure out what to get and, and start this pathway. Working with the providers, it's you have to have the, the doctor involved on this. But 
And so I teach them how to use these different cannabinoids and then how to start that. Okay. So neurologically appetite, stimulating appetite, CBD can also help with digestion. It helps to eliminate GERD and it will actually start to speed up propulsion for the constipation, which everybody has, especially when they're on morphine or roxanol, right? So help uh, gut motility, get that to speed up for people that have Crohn's and IBS, and they've got a lot of diarrhea and that, and those sorts of things, uh, THC will help slow it down. So, right. CBD can help stimulate the gut. THC can slow it down so we can work on digestion. Coincidentally, genital urinary, after about um, two months, she asked to toilet. She says, I have to toilet. And she hadn't toileted in over a year. Wow. And that was just amazing. And she got stronger. She got better energy. And because she was calm, she started to be loving. And three months in, the daughter calls me and said, my mom is hitting on people. <laughs> that was the craziest <laughs> <her> life. <laughs> put the life blood back into her. Oh. Yeah, and she was off hospice. And she lived another two years. She just died in January. Amazing. Amazing. And it gave her quality of life. One of the things that I will throw out there too, that I have seen, well, in her case too, I'm sure the pain, obviously the cannabis can help control pain. You talked about the inflammation and um, sleep is the other one that I have seen with some of my clients that uh, have used cannabis Mm. when they're either, they're either veterans. Like I, I have had a couple world war II vets that were terrified. One gentleman came in for counseling. He was terrified that he was going to hurt his wife because he was waking up in the middle of the night in a terror state. And he was just so afraid that he was going to hurt her in his sleep without realizing and started using cannabis to help his dreams, uh, inhibit his dreams and also give him quality sleep. And so, man, so we just named off pain, sleep, Tight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and on the, the pain and the sleep and, and going back to dementia, a lot of uh, those folks are not necessarily communicating the pain that they're having. They're having physical pain and they're not able to articulate this. And so they're, they're on opiates and NSAIDs and things that make their stomach bleed and make them constipated, dizzy, confused, etc. When, you know, if we treat the pain, we can take those meds away. Again, from a harm reduction standpoint, you want to look on both sides of the treatment plan and work that way. But cannabinoids help all three types of pain, no susceptive pain when you injure yourself. And like when I damage my shoulder, the signals going from there to my brain, it'll turn down the signals on that. It helps neuropathic pain, some of the hardest pain to treat, cancer, uh, chemotherapy, diabetes, and other types of neuropathic pain, as well as uh, some fried nerves and just injuries. And it'll turn down the signal. Both CBD and THCA uh, are good for that. THC really turns down the volume on pain and central pain, fibromyalgia, those kinds of post-stroke pain syndromes. All of the cannabinoids need to be used in different ratios, but we can uh, really make headway on that kind of pain as well. How many types of cannabinoids are there? You you talked about THC and CBD. That's what we hear about, but yeah, those are the most, those are the two most prevalent. But there's about 140 cannabinoids that we've identified right now. If you take the cannabis plant and you break down all of the cannabinoids, the flavonoids, the, the terpenes, you're going to get about 500 different compounds. It's one of the richest plants on earth. And the medicine is in the thick 
purple sticky stalk in the bud. That's where you want to get the medicines from. A lot of these uh, manufacturers that are making medicine are using the trim and, and stalks and stems and seeds. And that's not where the medicine is. You need the trichomes, you need the bud. So I really help people vet out quality medicines as well, because a lot of times, yeah, I tried CBD, it didn't do anything. And yeah, if you try good CBD and you use it properly and you stay patient because cumulative dosing is the key, then we can find efficacy and outcomes that satisfy you, you know? So another question that I get is um, people are very curious and they are willing to try. However, they they don't want to be high. You know, they don't want to get the the loopy or the you know they don't want to be high from it. So what would you what what would you say to those folks? Well, yeah. So the the first when every time I go see a patient and, and I do almost all my work now through Zoom uh, all over the country and they always say I don't want to be high and I'm not going to smoke anything. And so that's when I turned from part two, talking about the, the system. And I really minimize how I teach about the endocannabinoid system in an appointment because it's just right over the head. <laughs> but you tell them CBD, THC, and their friends. And then you say, okay, how do you get these into the body? Let's talk about these different routes of administration. Inhalation is what you breathe into your lungs and smoke, vaping or joints or pipes and things like that. But we really don't talk about that with respect to dementia. And then ingestion, when you eat them like brownies and cookies and, and candies and lozenges and things like that. And those can be good in, in small micro doses, like two milligrams, uh, one to two milligrams of THC. But the problem is they don't make them that in, in micro doses enough. So I like to go over to my next favorite route, which is a tincture. But on the edibles, CBD gummies can be very helpful. So if you just uh, find a 10, 20 milligram CBD gummies, uh, those can really be a game changer for people. They're easy and they're very, very available. Tinctures are going into the sublingual. Yeah. I have a question. Sorry. If somebody were to go the route of an edible, how long would you expect something like that to last? Uh-huh. So now we need to talk about onset and duration. Uh, in, yeah. Uh, so inhalation is very short acting. It's immediate and it's only lasting an hour or two. Oral ingestion, when you eat it, that, that goes the other side of the coin. Very long onset, 60 to 90 minutes, depending on uh, how much is in the gut and also the metabolism. And then how long is that going to last? Four, six, eight hours, depending on that dose. So in pain management, we like to use microdoses of edibles because uh, it gives us long-term pain management and like a good basal dosing that is continuous. And then you can use tinctures to drip in to give you a symptom reduction. But in my field, most of the time, that's what we start with. And tinctures, and then the fourth route is uh, topicals, where you can rub something on uh, superficially to the, uh, the localized areas where there's pain and inflammation. And a lot of these topicals are made with uh, calming oils where you can use like lavenders, which are linalool and uh, beta carophylline to, to decrease inflammation and in, enhance uh, circulation and soothing. But going back to the tincture, these tinctures are the mainstay of cannabis medicine and healthcare for me. And they come in all different varieties. So there's CBD and to break down CBD, there's CBD broad spectrum, which has no THC, CBD full spectrum, which is going to be 0.3% or less THC, and then cannabis CBD, which is going to be in the dispensaries, which is going to be maybe 2% THC. And so there's all these different formulas. 
And then when we add in THC, then of course we're in the dispensary, not the CBD store. Then you can have different ratios and the ratios are 20 to one or maybe 30 to one. And generally the CBD numbers first. So uh, 20 parts CBD, one part THC, that's a good starting point for wellness. Uh, As we start to get people that are more sick, uh, you want to fold in more THC. So look at a 10 to one or an eight to one and then a four to one. Uh, which is, you know, really the ledge at where there's a psychoactive effect, right? So a four to one is going to relax some, a 10 to one, they're not going to feel it, 20 to one, no THC uh, ability to feel because it's, uh, the dose is not high enough to really uh, perceive any kind of intoxication. A four to one or a one to one, uh, they might start to feel a little bit of, I could smile. I'm not thinking about all the stuff that I had on my to-do list or what I'm worried about. I'm not feeling that pain. All of a sudden, they'll just be more present and you'll see them start to come back. And so I start with the four to one because I don't want to inhibit, I mean, to enhance any kind of intoxicating effects because you don't also want to scare them. And when you're working with dementia, you want to start at that eight to one, four to one so that you can institute some THC into the body, but very slowly. And the body then starts to acclimate with it. And over time, you can go from the eight to one to the four to one to the one to one, which is where most people end up that have dementias because the one-to-one is my workhorse and CBD cancels out the intoxicating effects of THC, but allows THC benefits to work. Oh, so once somebody the, gets used to it, uh, the one-to-one is your best shot. Is that the, you know, I hear about the entourage mm-hmm. effect that, is that what you're talking about when the CBD will work better if you have a little bit of THC to to go no, with these, these compounds, if you think about that plant, like God made that plant perfect in the way that it, it's it's uh, growing, right? And when we think about that plant, there's a thousand different varieties of that plant, right? So there's like, there's no such thing as the sativa or indica or any of these things anymore, because they're breeding and crossbreeding them so much. But the idea is that if you find a strain that's working for you, you can soak that in 100% grain alcohol and strip away the cannabinoids into that solution, burn off all of the solvent uh, and cook it down so there's zero alcohol left. And then that's your starting point of that medicine. You put that in uh, with some organic olive oil and some uh, extra terpenes, maybe to, to drive certain effects like for clarity or for energy or for sleep or for pain. And then you can figure out how to use that, but that is how to make the the best oils. And when we keep all of those cannabinoids together, that's how you have the entourage effect. I liken it to the symphony. When I go down to symphony hall and watch the orchestra, it's beautiful to have the soloist, whether it's piano or cello or violin, but then you want the rest of the orchestra to fold back in. And that's what these cannabinoids do to synergize and harmonize each other. One plus one is not two, it's it's 20 when you put them together. And then when you have good whole plant or full spectrum oils, you have the symphony going on as opposed to an isolate where you've just got that CBD, it's going to be ineffective. It's going to not work all that well. You're going to need higher doses. And when you do, then you bring on more interactions and side effects with pharmaceuticals. So we want to use whole plant botanical formulations. I like, I, and I have heard that, that, and that makes sense. It makes, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So, okay. I want to take a quick step back and just kind of touch again on the, the benefits that I'm hearing you say are that folks with dementia, 
that may be agitated, have, quote, challenging behaviors, anxiety, um, resistance to care, things like that. When you look at what's happening with those folks, often what's occurring is many of these things that we talked about, they aren't getting good sleep. Mm -hmm. They may be in pain. Their appetite may be off. and, And in all of these areas, they're not able to really communicate those things. And so I'm hearing you say that there can be a a really profound effect on people with dementia that are more agitated or easily anxious. Mm -hmm. So my next question is, what are the possible side effects? What does a practitioner need to be looking at, or even a family member if they're choosing to, you know, treat, what do they need to watch out for? What are the possible side effects of using cannabis? Mm So yeah, the, the, the conditions that you're talking about, pain, sleep, agitation, anxiety, appetite, energy, calming down, all of those can be addressed by whole plant formulations and using some of the ratios I talked about in two to five milligram increments. So uh, as far as you know, trying to gauge uh, what we're talking about, two to five milligrams, and you want two to three times a day dosing, as opposed to just one a big dose per day, you want to break that up into two doses. And if needed, add in a third one. So, and then getting somebody to five to 10 milligrams a couple of times a day, so that we're looking at 10 to 20 milligrams, maybe even 20 to 30 or even 40 milligrams as a dosing range. Okay. So once we figure out that, then we can start to say, okay, when we're looking at these cannabinoids, what are the side effects with this minimal dosing? And you noticed how I said two to five milligrams, then five to eight, then eight to 10. And then, so you step it up very slowly to allow the body to acclimate. When you first start taking these, the the body's like, wow, what is this? (laughs) It's like, I'm feeling good again, but I'm not sure what to do with it. And what happens is the blood pressure starts to relax. Cannabinoids are very potent vasodilators. And what that means is that it it can help you relax your blood pressure and to uh, just be in more of that parasympathetic state. But on the way there, most seniors especially uh, can have dizziness. So whether it's CBD or a a ratio of CBD, THC, uh, dizziness is always the first side effect. CBD in small doses, this speaks to the biphasic properties of these, but small doses are stimulating, large doses are sedating. So that two to five milligrams is going to perk up grandpa, but 10 milligrams to 20 milligrams is going to put him asleep. Same oil, exact same product, right? So uh, you, you learn that as you start to escalate the dose, when you get that fatigue, that's your sweet spot and you stop. And then the body will acclimate to that. If you need more, the body will tell you because the symptoms will return. Uh, and so you, you dance with the body as you're trying to figure this out. But so a little bit of jitteriness or a little bit of fatigue. And again, it, with some of these oils, some seniors, especially uh, that are uh, on a lot of pills, get loose stools almost always that first week. And then that'll clear. Uh, it's really interesting. And of course, you want to look at the other pharmaceuticals to see if you're, you know, doubling up on stool softeners and things like that, because, you know, you don't want to do that. If you're using CBD, that might be helping. With THC, side effects are going to be, again, dizziness. And then as you go from that one milligram to two milligram to three milligram to five milligrams, you know, and you go up very slowly on the THC, then you can start to see 
a little bit more confusion or a little bit more anxiety. And some people, if you start with too high of a THC dose, you can trigger panic in 15-year-olds, 50-year-olds, and 85-year-olds. So you always want to start low, go slow, and escalate that dose very slowly. And then memory impairment, generally, again, that's with younger people and generally using inhalation or edibles, which we don't use in seniors, right? And if they already have memory impairment, what we actually see is the neuroprotective slowing down the progression of these uh, cannabinoids that are potentially happening. And you see more clarity, you see them get more lucid. And of course, when you get them off the Ativan and the Seroquel, now you really see them get more lucid because that's what's causing it. The Ambien, the Ativan, all of the medicines that we can slowly look at weaning away over time, three, six, 12 months, then you start to see them get very lucid, but almost right away, we can see that improve at low doses. Dry mouth is another thing. So, you know, if people are constantly trying to wet their mouth, you might need to see. And of course, I always tell people hydrate well, you want to be very well hydrated because cannabinoids can be drying, especially initially, right? The body kind of acclimates to it. A lot of that is more with inhalation than tinctures, but it can also happen with elders and tinctures. So dry mouth, you might also see some tachycardia, with just a little bit of a faster heart rate. Again, we're not using inhalation where you can trigger massive tachycardia, but with an oil, sometimes you'll see a little bit of an uptick in the pulse. And then again, that regulates back down. So all these things are manageable with dosing. And that's why I give you that range 10 to 40 milligrams is the sweet spot somewhere in there, starting with uh, more CBD during the day, more THC at night. THC is sedating. So, you know, uh, that is the other part of that. You know, when you're giving the THC side, you want to give that at night. And like my favorite uh, clients, so I would go over there and three to one uh, would be his starting dose twice a day. He was, he, that family wanted to keep him home. They had a caregiver that was living and his bed was down in the, in the living room, but he was getting agitated. He was starting to get combative to the caretaker and we needed to mitigate that. So we did that with the three to one oil, but he was also still sundowning and starting to get restless and want to go out. And he, he, he was a, a Navy pilot, 40 years fighter pilot, and he thought he always had somewhere to go and all of these beautiful things. And he was in great physical shape, 90 years old, strong. So what we were able to do is use a THC indica blend that we started at just two milligrams, then five milligrams, and he got up to 10 milligrams, was able to wean him off the Ambien and cut his trazodone from 150 to 50. He was on minimal meds, took away the resveratrol that he was on as the antipsychotic, and he was on melatonin, cannabinoids, and some vitamins. That was it at the end. And he died peacefully too. So that's how to do this, right? There, there's a way. And I have a, a program where I, I teach all of this in my, my Alzheimer's unit that we could talk yeah, about. Yeah, tell us, yeah, tell tell our audience how they can reach you and, and learn more about your program. I, well, actually, I want you to tell us that, but but before, can you, in your program, I'm curious, is it offered to family members or is it specifically for healthcare providers? Yeah. So on my website, holisticcaring.com, 
there are different programs and there's uh, professional programs, which are all for healthcare, cannabis industry professionals, CBD wellness coaches, etc. And then I have the patient self-healing educational programs. And those are all for patients. And I wrote them for patients. However, clinicians can absolutely watch those. And I do talk a little bit about some of the research so that I can set the stage and give context. Each one of those modules is a recorded lecture where I'm going through the basics of the endocannabinoid system and why this works. Then I go into the condition. What is Alzheimer's? What are the the incidence and prevalence? And we've got 5 million people in America living with this. And and what are some of the uh, medicines that people are taking and the efficacy of that? What are the stages of Alzheimer's and how are we treating each one of them? And then I go into the research on how cannabinoids can help, being neuroprotective, how THC can help. And then I go into the cannabinoids and teaching them about the basics and how THC, CBD are the power couple. And then I teach them the different routes of administration and accentuating uh, tinctures, but going through all of them because I don't know where somebody's at. They could have very mild form of dementia and maybe some some small amounts of inhalation uh, and uh, edibles is going to be perfect. Five milligrams of THC before bedtime is a perfect edible dose for a generally healthy person. And so I go through all the routes of administration, then finish up with healing the gut, because a lot of times if we can talk about healing the gut, we can move the needle on things because we're stimulating neurotransmitters and helping to calm down some of the gut inflammation, which calms down neuroinflammation uh, and helping, you know, with sleep and resetting some of the circadian rhythms, looking at movement and exercise and how to use microdoses of cannabinoids to inspire energy and a walk and getting people where they're exercising during the day so they can rest more at night and caring for the caregiver and some tips for them. And so well, thank you for saying in- that. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, we're focusing, we're talking so much about treating the, the person with dementia. And, and I'm in the back of my mind, I am definitely thinking about the, the family members, the family caregivers that might benefit yeah. from stress reduction. <laughs> I've been an RN for 34 years, and I always think about the totality of what needs to be taught. And I try and cover it all. So that module for clinicians or for patients, it's Alzheimer's and cannabis, And in that patient program, I also have cancer, chronic pain, how to wean off opiates, mental health conditions, autoimmune conditions, autism, epilepsy, and CBD and functional medicine for holistic wellness. So it's, and then you are doing big work in this world. (laughs) And on that same page, if you scroll down a little bit further, that's where you can book a consultation with me or one of my five nurses. And all of them are trained on all of this and have a breadth of knowledge that they can, you know, plug in 40 year RNs, you know, that are retired, that are working with me. And they absolutely love this because they're really making a difference in people's lives. And we can work all over the country with CBD because we can ship that online or to all 50 states they can purchase online. And then with THC products, we just tap into weed maps or Leafly, which are dispensary finders, and we can tell them how to go shop. And we have 36 legal medical marijuana states now and 15 with adult use or recreational access where you don't even need a card. You can just go down to the shop, get what you need, come back home, and let's give it a try. And we work by Zoom all over the country, and I even have patients internationally. Wonderful. One last piece that I want to ask you because a, a big part of this, right, is involving the primary healthcare provider. Do you, are, are you able to guide folks in how to talk to their doctors about this, how to, how to, what questions to ask? 
Are you, do you get involved with consulting with their physicians? <laughs> well, because this is a schedule one drug, not many actually call me, but every time I do a home visit or a Zoom visit, I always say, please tell your provider to call me if they have any questions and they want to dialogue about this because I will do that free of charge because I can't wait to get, I'll try and get them to take my program, but I will have a conversation on the phone with them because I want to have that integrative uh, philosophy where they're, look, we need to, we need to manage this concurrently. Everything that they're doing is reflected by me and, and having the patient go to the, and not tell the provider and start these paths is irresponsible. And I want to encourage that dialogue, but they're fearful. So one of my slides is how to talk to your provider about cannabis and CBD medicine and why they need to know and how it interacts with different pharmaceuticals. And there's 30,000 studies on PubMed. If you go to pubmed.gov, which is our repository of all the scientific research and data, there are 30,000 studies on there. If you put in cannabis or cannabinoids or marijuana or CBD, THC, and you can Google CBD and Alzheimer's and it'll pull up. Uh, all the research, right? And so these doctors, they owe it to themselves and, and their patient base to learn this. And I will help teach them and guide them to understand this because we have to make a difference for patients. Love it. Elizabeth, you are amazing. I just so appreciate the work that you're doing and the impact that it, it has had and will continue to have on so many folks that are just new, new to learning about the benefits of cannabis and, and how to support their loved ones and themselves. So thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that we will have many questions. Please, can you tell us the name of your uh, website one more time? Yes. So holistic with an H, not a W. <laughs> so holisticcaring.com. And it doesn't matter if it's upper or lowercase. People are always asking. So holisticcaring.com. Uh, you can email me at elizabeth at holisticcaring.com. And I spell my name with an S. It's the Swedish way versus the English way with a Z. So I spell it with an S, E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H. So uh, contact us and let us know how we can help. And definitely check out the website and our programs and nursing services. Great. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute, nor is it meant to convey professional, legal, psychological, financial, or medical advice. If you can use such services, please seek them out from someone you trust.